to the Fort Lee Podcast. I'm your host, Jefferson Wolf. Producing this podcast today is Chad Menegay. Before we start, a quick reminder, please subscribe to the Fort Lee Podcast on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. Also, please rate us five stars, I hope, and leave a review. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook, at Army Fort Lee, in both cases, with any suggestions you have. And if there's someone you'd like us to interview, let us know that as well. We're always looking for interesting people to have on the podcast. Today we're going to be talking to Al Williams, the Housing Division Chief here at Fort Lee. So sit back and enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to the Fort Lee Podcast. Today we're talking to Al Williams, the Housing Division Chief here at Fort Lee, about all things housing. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, and I'm glad to be here. Well, we'll get right into uh, some information. One of the things we recently completed here at Fort Lee are the renovations on Jackson Circle. Tell us a little bit about what happened. How did the renovations come out? Jackson Circle uh, is a community of 174 homes, uh, all duplexes, and it's a junior enlisted neighborhood. And we chose Jackson Circle. That was the oldest community uh, that was in our inventory. And we decided at year 25, it was time to renovate and bring that up to the newest standards. So uh, it was an 18-month process. Went in, basically gutted majority of the home, made an open floor plan, uh, new appliances, granite countertops, uh, luxury vinyl tile, uh, just basically new HVAC systems within uh, the homes, new siding outside in some areas, and made it a really, really good product for the families. I can safely say I was in them a couple times, and they did look really great. Um, but it wasn't just the look. You, you mentioned the new HVAC systems, so they'll be more efficient and all that other stuff. Um, as somebody moves into Jackson Circle now, what are they going to see? What I think they'll see in Jackson Circle is today's community inside our gates. What you see outside in the community, that's what they'll find in Jackson Circle. Garage door openers for every garage. Uh, when you walk into the home, uh, the systems are now looking just like a, uh, a home outside the gate where the bathrooms have the best fixtures, or where the kitchens are and open floor plans downstairs. Uh, new doors, uh, new windows, and energy efficiency all around the home. Well, that's really cool. So Jackson Circle is the beginning of a larger project, right? Can you describe the overall project for what's going to happen on Fort Lee? I can. Uh, after we finished Jackson Circle, which was completed just a couple of months ago in February, uh, we actually transitioned immediately into the Harrison Villa renovation, which is a 270-home community. We're going to do the same type of renovations that we did in Jackson Circle. Go in, gut the entire downstairs, basically create open floor plans and have that opportunity to put in new windows, new vinyl outside, uh, and just make it a home that the residents can feel comfortable in, in that community. How, how old is that community, by the way? You mentioned 25 years for mm -hmm. Jackson Circle. Uh, doing the math, we're right around 24 years at the oldest home in Jackson, okay. in Harrison Villa now. And some of those were built back in, I believe, 2002. Those will be the last ones we get to. 
And by the time we get to them, they'll be 22 years old. Is, is there a major difference between the houses in Jackson Circle and Harrison Villa in terms of what you're doing inside? You mentioned it's the same stuff, but it, is there are the newer homes a little more energy efficient? Are there a few things you don't have to do in them, or do you have to do the same stuff? Back during the time they built Jackson Circle and Harrison Villa, they used the same floor plans, same contractor. Uh, so they're basically the same homes. Got it. And so we want to stay consistent so that when a junior listed resident comes to Fort Lee they, and they want to live in Harrison Villa or Jackson Circle, they're going into the same home. The efficiencies also are when it comes down to repairs. You have the same items in the homes, you can have a better inventory, and you can respond better uh, in those concerns or figures in the home. Okay. Um, so what's next? What's the, you're you're going to continue the renovations going forward. What do you have coming up next? Uh, what's the next neighborhood that's going to get the opportunity to have a new house, more or less? Well, we do have... An anomaly, okay. which is the skyrocketing prices uh, of okay. construction. Right. Our intent was to move through Harrison Villa in one continual two-year period. Okay. However, pricing and availability of products will not allow that. Okay. So we're breaking it down to three different segments okay. or phases. Uh, 94 homes are in the first phase. We'll take a break, reevaluate, and then get 90 homes in the next phase and then round it out after that. A little bit of efficiency earned along the way. It's going to move the project probably to a three-year period, and then after that, we'll evaluate and see what the next neighborhood will Ah, be. Okay, well, that sounds good. So getting back to things soldiers are experiencing now, we're heading into PCS season. What are you expecting this year? Is there anything unique this year that you're expecting uh, to have happen during the PCS season? We do. Uh, The unique thing about this year is during this recent period of home buying and the price of homes outside the gate skyrocketing, mm-hmm. rental property owners decided to sell their rental properties to get quick returns on their homes. Those rental properties were the rental properties we have been using to support our incoming families for years and years, and that had been a steady income flow for many of the property managers outside the gate. We don't see that inventory this year. So the change this year is you may have to go a little bit further away from Fort Lee to find a suitable home for you and your family upon arriving if you cannot live on the installation. How's the waiting list look right now? The waiting list is a little over 200 families on the wait list. Now, many of them are uh, proactive. They're not going to get here until August or September or October. They've gotten on the wait list now, so that allows them to move up the wait list so when they get here, they'll be near the top and won't have to wait so long. But there are also many that show up and say, well, I'm here, I can't find a home on post, I'm going to get on the wait list. Right. Uh, so those numbers have increased dramatically since last summer. Last summer we had about 89 on the wait list, now we're at 220. Wow. So what's the best thing somebody can do if they know they're coming to Fort Lee and they want to live on post? Two things to do is, number one, contact the Housing Services Office at Fort Lee. And that is the Army Housing Office. They can reach them at 804-765-3862. That's the first step. Because it says in your orders, please contact the Housing Services Office first. The second thing, if you really want to live on post, is to make sure you contact Fort Lee Family Housing Team. Contact the leasing office. Have them walk you through the application process online. Get on the wait list, 
And then from there, uh, you can put yourself in a good position. Now, we're talking a little bit about incoming people. So um, what should incoming residents expect when they get here? Once they get their house, okay, you have some renovations going on in, in one neighborhood. What can people coming in expect to see when they get here? The incoming residents really won't see anything different. Okay. The process of preparing that home has been mandated by congressional leaders, military leaders, and members from my staff, along with the Fort Lee Family Housing staff, have got to meet certain standards before the home is prepared for release to those incoming residents. More than a few eyes are taking a look to ensure that we are meeting those standards. Uh, my team calls uh, at 14, 14 days after you move in to check to make sure that everything's well. Call back again at day 60 to check those things. There's various surveys along the way that occur, uh, but at the end of the day, we have had very few concerns about new residents moving in and the condition of their home when they moved in. Well, that's good. So on the flip side of that, you have people leaving. Yes. So what can those people do to facilitate their uh, exit from Fort Lee as smooth as possible? That's a good question. The first thing is identify when you want to leave and get your notice to vacate in early. It doesn't have to be 30 days. It can be 60 days out. That's the first step. The second step is request a pre-assessment or pre-move-out assessment of your home. Get the Hunt team or the Fort Lee Family Housing team to come on, come into your home, do that assessment, and to be prepared to address those things that might come out in the pre-inspection. What are some common things from a pre-inspection that your team might see? Some of the things we might see are broken blinds, uh, repairs in the backyard where your pet may have dug holes and, and may need to be repaired, um, trash cans that need to be fixed. For example, you may have, I, I really don't have to worry about the handle is sort of wobbling, mm -hmm. but you want to get that fixed so the next resident can get that done. Is that a cost of resident? No, that's just a, a coordinating factor. But inside the home, things such as cleaning the appliances, clean the refrigerator, those big ticket items that need to be prepared before you leave uh, is what we really want to focus on. Mm -hmm. Carpet damage, you've had pets in the home, we want to address that with you early. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is just, you know, our job when we go in, meeting with the families, ensure that fair wear and tear is fair wear and tear. And they're there to help the family understand, you know, what the expectations are during move out. For those people who think they're moving out on a certain day and their orders change, how much flexibility does your team have to accommodate that? We understand that things are changing. And transportation is a concern right now with this upcoming PCS season. Uh, just so happened last week, we had two families who were supposed to leave on Friday. Transportation did not show up. You cannot do much to alleviate that. That, that is an external contractor who's coming in. So we know that has a ripple effect. The ripple effect isn't on the family that's leaving. The ripple effect is on the family that expected to move into that home because they're living in a hotel or they're coming across country, dragging a trailer, a wife, husband, kids, dogs, whatever. Uh, and that has become the problematic piece of the PCS season. So you generally want people to leave on time if possible, but you can work with them if not. That is correct. We will, you know, we're not going to kick a family out on the street mm -hmm. because of things that did not happen. 
there is a, a new program, I believe it's called IPSA, that has also caused some jagged movement of personnel coming from one location to the next, which, again, ripples mm-hmm. the waters just a little bit more. Uh, and we're going to meet on that and talk about that soon. Okay, that sounds good. Um, for those people who are here, we're heading into the summer. So we've got yard maintenance and we've got mold, things we've got to pay attention to. Could you talk a little bit about those housing issues that people who live here can take care of in their house? I can. Uh, our pool on post, maybe it gets open, maybe not. Uh, we hope so, uh, but we'll see. But a lot of times people want to bring out their their portable pools and put them in the yards. You can do that. It's fine. However, at the end of the day, you want to make sure those are dumped and you don't create a hazard uh, within your community. If you get a bigger pool, more water, you still cannot leave it overnight. Not having or having that hazard there uh, is an invitation for uh, concerns for our, our young children who are in the neighborhood. So even if you have a fence up and it's inside the fence, you have to empty it? you suppose to empty it because okay. your fence is not secure. It's if your your neighbor's neighbor kid sees you have a pool in your backyard and it's fenced and you're not watching, maybe they go to take a dip and maybe there's a right. accident. Okay. And so we want to be careful about that. Uh, the lawn care piece, the lawns are mowed by a contracted lawn care provider. All areas that are not fenced. Okay. So if you have a fenced backyard, you're responsible for cutting your grass. They're on a schedule, should be published soon by the Fort Lee Family Housing Team. If you want your yard cut prior to that schedule cut, uh, self-help is available for you at the maintenance office for Fort so, Lee Family Housing. So you can go get a mower if you want it? Yes. Okay. Mower, weed ear, tremor, oh, all wow. those things are available at no cost to the residents. So you can take care of your backyard or if you want to do a specialty cut while you're waiting for your normal cut to occur. What's the rule on um, growing things in the yard, planting gardens? Are you, you, are, you have mulch areas in front of the houses. You've got areas. Are you allowed to dig and, and plant a garden and stuff like that? We, we normally do not like the residents to dig in the yard. What we're looking for are those raised bed gardens okay. where you can create that, where you can have your stands, and you can create uh, that type of garden area. The concern about digging next to the homes, you still have utilities, still have concerns about what's uh, going on and when you leave what you may have left and so we want to make it clean for the next resident because the next resident may not want tomatoes onions peppers whatever the (laughs) case yeah you may have out there Uh, but it is not looked upon negatively by the housing team we want to be your home the army wants it it is your home that's what we're telling you Mm -hmm. so that's what you would like to do do it in a way that when you're done and you leave, you can leave the home in the same manner that you found it. Talk a little bit about summertime mold prevention with condensation and heat and cold and heat and cold. Right. And, you know, we're right there, uh, right at that moment right now, where we were at 80-some-odd degrees yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And today we're at 72. And further this week, we're going to be in the 50s. So people are opening and closing their windows. But as the heat go, heat rises and the humidity picks up, what we want you to do is run your HVAC system. We want you to keep your windows closed, your doors closed, run your HVAC system, allow that humidity to be drawn out of the house, 
and uh, and use that conditioned air. The things that we saw over the summers for the last few years has been the individual who runs their HVAC or your air conditioning system at 68 degrees inside, but the upstairs windows are open because I forgot to close the window. So you're drawing in that hot, moist air. It's coming into the system. It's regenerating, and it's creating just a, uh, a bed of growth for mold in your home. So those are really the basic things. If you're going to run your HVAC, keep your windows and doors closed. If you're not going to run your HVAC and you want that fresh air, cut the system off, open the windows and doors, and then when you close them, then cut the HVAC back on. That's probably good advice for people who don't live on post. <laughs> yes, um, it is. So in the last year or so, a new thing for incoming residents based on congressional requirement is a universal lease agreement uh, is required, uh, and it's required of all aspects of uh, privatized housing. Tell me a little bit about the universal lease agreement. No problem. The universal lease agreement was designed so that when residents move from installation to the next installation, they are moving under the same standard. So when I come in, I sign a universal lease agreement. What I'm signing for is uh, my home. I'm given a plain language briefing. And that plain language housing briefing tells everything about housing, not only privatized housing, but what the garrison command team can do for you. It gives you the rights as a tenant and also gives your tenant responsibilities while you're residing in the privatized quarters. That was a requirement from the congressional leaders. Here's what the privatized partner will do. However, you, the tenant, you need to do these things. Mm -hmm. Another part of the universal lease agreement and requirement from all family housing privatized family housing organizations is the release of the seven-year maintenance history of the home that you're being assigned to. They'll give that to you. You get a chance to look at that. If there's any concerns, you can always bring that up with the property management team. And the final part of universal lease agreement puts some onus on the Army Housing Office, which requires us to reach out to the residents at day 14 and also at day 60 just to make sure we're taking care of you and that family housing team is taking care of you and your home. So the next thing I want to talk about is a little bit of safety. I know we've had some issues with speeding. Um, could you talk a little bit about what's going to happen over the course of the summer to help limit speeding in the housing area? Right. So we have two initiatives. One is a sign initiative mm -hmm. that is uh, being prepared by the Fort Lee family housing team. They're going to go and redo all the signage within all the areas, include the speed limit signs. And some of those will say uh, neighborhood, community, or some sort of uh, verbiage along with the speed limit signs placed around the community. The second part is the implementation and construction of speed humps, not bumps, speed humps okay. within the family housing community. Okay. Uh, we have funding for three of those. Okay. They'll be placed uh, strategically around the community where speeding has been most prevalent right. okay. based on some recent studies. Right. So, yeah, so watch out that is when correct. you're driving. Right. So from safety, let's kick back over kind of into things residents are doing. Could you talk a little bit about the work order process? I'm sure that the residents are given handouts and material when they come into how to do it, but maybe it would be helpful to explain how, when something goes wrong in the house, what people are expected to do. Okay, uh, I can do that. Uh, the, hand, the resident handbook that is given to every resident during the lease signing 
lays out the process to use if you have a concern in the home. You have three sets of work orders, emergency work order, urgent work order, and your routine work orders. Anything that is emergent or urgent requires you to call and talk to a live person, either on the 24-hour maintenance line or calling your resident services specialist and putting in that ticket. The property management team has one hour to respond to emergency work order and four hours to respond to an urgent work order. Using the web or, or using the app, and I'll get to those in a second, mm-hmm. uh, don't allow the team to react fast enough to meet those standards. Got it. So, Talk to a person. Talk to a person. Emergency and urgency. And it lists various things, such as my HVAC doesn't work. Uh, the temperature outside is, is 78 degrees or higher, and my system stopped working. I don't have hot water in the home. Uh, the windows are broken. The door doesn't lock. Those things, and there's more of, of those, but that was just a sample of some of the urgent, our emergency calls. And, and I won't go into the long list of urgent. Right, okay. Uh, but water, think about those things in, in your own home. If I have water leaking, I need somebody here. If, especially if, if it's in the ceiling. You that's right, if it's in the ceiling, okay. right. Another thing is, if I can't lock my house, I have an issue, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so those are some of those things that are urgent and emergent. The routine stuff, it they have up to eight business days to get that done. They have the Hunt Resident app, which is the most effective way to put in those routine work orders. Download to your phone put it in, it's queued up, and normally normally within four to seven days, they're out there and it's resolved. Very rarely does it get to eight days uh, for them to complete that. You can also use the resident services specialist as your entry to put a call in a routine if you're in the office. But we really would like you to use the resident app because that minimizes that requirement for them to do that. And also, you have a way to track that work order on your phone when you use the resident app. So if it's routine, use the app. If it's something more emergency related, call. Yes. Um, so talk a little bit about the work orders as you have right now. What, what's the wait time looking like? How, how busy are your maintenance folks? Yeah. Uh, our maintenance folks are always busy. Uh, however, we have recovered well from last year about this time. Mm-hmm. During the height of COVID and not being able to really get out and do those normal routine and maintenance and preventive maintenance, things that they normally would do. Our work orders were anywhere between 800 and 900. We're down to 130 work orders. Oh, wow, that's quite now. a difference. That is quite a difference. Our emergency work orders uh, a year ago were in the 90s. Yeah. And we're down to eight, seven, oh. six uh, per week. That's really a good right. news story, probably. It is. The, the good news is, is that we took an opportunity and they reached out and they continue to reach out and we finally got the majority of the maintenance technician positions filled. And and that's been the key. Uh, But the customer service side of it, one of the things that we've seen is when the maintenance tech goes into the home, does the work, they're talking to the resident, and the resident says, hey, could you take a look at this? Can you take a look at this? They're they're not creating a new service on there. It is completing that work in the home, and it makes it easier for the next time they come out because it's already done. Okay, I have two more things. One, I'd like to talk a little bit about the walking town halls. Mm-hmm. You've had two of them so far. Uh, tell me a little bit about how those have gone. I will. Uh, the walking town halls have been very receptive uh, going out. We were a little overzealous the first time trying to reach two neighborhoods. Yeah. 
this time we uh, decided to stay in one neighborhood per walking town hall. And our commanding general, our command sergeant major for CASCOM, Army leaders uh, across the installation, along with our garrison commander and garrison CSM, had that opportunity to create that one-on-one conversation with the residents where they live. And that was an overwhelming success this last time. Uh, I I saw residents had the opportunity to speak freely to our senior leaders, Mm -hmm. to share their thoughts, to share their recommendations, and... Uh, at the end of the day, the leadership team, I think, got more out of it than just the residents because they really could see that the residents enjoy where they're staying, how they're being taken care of, and not all the other things out there that uh, that we normally don't see, right? We, we see some comments, and we think that's the way it is across the board. Right. And that's not what they saw when they were out on the ground. And I think we'll see that again when we go to our next neighborhood. Jackson Circle is slated next. Okay. And we're looking to get out to see them in June um, before the summertime, the heat of the summer hits. So the people in the new houses will have a chance to, to show off what's going on there and, and how they think about the renovations. Right. It'd be close to, it's, it's going on our second year uh, of the renovations, the first renovations right. part of that being completed. So again, we wanted, we wanted to check them out. It's been a year since you've been at home. Are their homes doing well? Are they, are you feeling comfortable in that? Tell us about it. And uh, we also want to make sure that Jackson Circle knows their voice is heard. So last question, one more thing. What's uh, one thing you would like people to know about Fort Lee's housing program? I think the one thing that people need to know about the Fort Lee housing program is that we started this in 2007. Uh, the goal was to create one of the best housing projects in the Army. And at the end of the day, I think we have achieved that. Uh, hands down, uh, we have one of the best inventories in the Army. And and new is not always best. Although it's new, is one of the newest, I believe we have the best inventory. We have uh, the size of the homes that meets the needs of the families is met each and every day. I believe we have enough homes uh, online to support our enlisted families, those that want to live on installation. And even with officer families, uh, you know, we, we talked about what privatization does and the fact that you can live anywhere within a privatized uh, organization. And you, when you look at our installation right now, you can see that, where we have an officer family enclave living within an enlisted community, such as in Jackson Circle. What I also would like to say about our program is that we're one housing team. And what I mean by that is that it isn't Fortley Family Housing. It isn't the garrison commander and command sergeant major. It isn't the Army Housing Office. When the family moves into the home, they look as, where's my housing team? There is no name associated with that. There is no organization. They may sign the lease with Fort Lee Family Housing, mm-hmm. but the interaction between the garrison commander, garrison command sergeant major, the Army Housing Team, and the Fort Lee Family Housing Team, that triad is the one that makes us one of the best housing programs in the Army. Well, that's great. I really appreciate your time. That was Al Williams, the Housing Division Chief here at Fort Lee, talking about all things housing. And we'll be right back after this. Thank you very much. You're welcome. (music) 
That is a wrap for this edition of the Fort Lee Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and please join us next time.